Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Classics and good classics, and I'm Derek. Um, right now, we're reading the coldest winter ever, and we're actually reached chapter eight of this book. Uh, in chapter seven, um, basically, in chapter seven, Winter got taken down a notch. Like she found out that she couldn't. You know, let me stop fronting. She should have been taken down a notch, but she's literally delusional. She lives in her own world so thoroughly that, like, we say, God, grant me the confidence of a mediocre white man. Winter got it. Like, Winter has that kind of confidence where she just believes and no matter what you tell her, she's going to see what she wants to see and hear what she wants to hear. And it struck me. There's a segment in uh, chapter seven where Midnight really breaks down to her why he don't fuck with her and why she can't uh, come with him. Because what ends up happening is uh, while everything is falling apart, uh, Winter's out on the streets trying to uh, keep everything held together. So she's supposed to meet up with Midnight to go get money from him, but the money's missing. Um, and she thinks Midnight took it. Midnight's like, I wouldn't take it. I'm loyal to your pops. Somebody uh, backstabbed him, but it wasn't me. Uh, so he's like, I'm going to check out another avenue and see what I can find out. Come back later on. So she buys another outfit. She's buying outfits that cost like $400 at a time just to see Midnight. She's thinking that she's going to take this money that he's supposed to have, this $50,000, and flip it and stack it and turn it into some sort of um, business mogul. Um, and meanwhile, Midnight is like, yo, you're not built for this. Seriously, like your mind isn't in this game. Your mind is only on yourself and on, on possessions and, and on making sure you look good. That is your whole focus is that you look good. You're not worried about this game. You're not worried about anything but yourself. There's a point in time where she's stealing money out of her mom's purse just so then she could have money to buy. Well, at first she says she has money so then she can uh, strategize and do whatever needs to be done. But really she uses it for clothing and then lies to her mom about stealing the money out of her purse. And then when her mom says she needs the money back, she refuses to bring her mom the money that she's looking for. Uh, never tells her mom how much money she has, things of that nature. Um, they go to the, the jail to visit Santiago, whose first name is Ricky, Ricky Santiago. Um, 
and as they as the officer calls uh, out his name, and that's the the indicator that his family is able to go and visit him. Uh, both her mom and a um, young Puerto Rican woman with the baby stand up and start walking towards the officer to go back to meet uh, Santiago. So an argument breaks out and um, Winter's mom gets to go back first. And while Winter's mom is going back to see her, going back to see uh, Ricky, um, Winter goes and looks at the log sheet for the prison and sees that uh, the lady had put her dad's very same uh, inmate number, um, which means one of two things. Like, he gave it to her. He either, he, he had to put her, in other places, you have a list of people that you uh, will approve to visit you. Um, and in this place, I guess, you had to know his number in order to actually be able to see him. So he gave her the number, not to mention the fact that she had a baby who was draped in clothes that were that were fly as hell, wearing a bracelet on his little baby arm that said Ricky Santiago Jr. So his mom um, was told initially, or her Winter's mom was told initially by Ricky um, not to come to the prison until Thursday. Tell your mom to come on Thursday. I want to dress nice. I want to be able to show her off. She chooses. You ain't going to tell me what to do, uh, uh, Winter. You're not going to tell me when to see my husband. I'm grown. I want to go see him today. They hop on the bus to go see him that day, and it turns out the reason why he said to come on Thursday is because he got his girl Wednesday there on Wednesday. Nigga, did you... Really, I guess they really believe that they were living a semi-charm type of life where this dude who's selling drugs and, 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 and he's got a laundry list of crimes that he's up for, like uh, drug, uh, 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 murder, weapons, um, like everything. He's doing a Buck Rogers date. He's not coming home anytime soon. Um, and you think that in the midst of all of that, he wouldn't cheat on you? Um, conspiracy, murder, money laundering, tax evasion, weapons. His boys, we find out from midnight, are turning state's evidence on him. There's a snitch somewhere in the organization. Um, and Winter is still thinking like, okay, me and Midnight are going to be together and everything's going to be fine and I'm going to be the hero of this story. And Midnight's like, fuck you, I'm leaving town. And Winter's like, well, well can I come with you? And Midnight's like, fuck no. You're the type of woman who will get me caught up because you don't care about nothing. You don't watch for nothing. You're a stupid dame. And so I can't have you with me if I want to stay alive. But he gives her an envelope. And she's like, there must be cash in this. And as soon as he gives her the envelope, he tune, she tunes him out and starts thinking only about the cash and only about herself again. Um, and so inside the envelope, there's $3,000 in a, in a card that says, you need to listen to Sister Soldier. She'll save you. This book is really like, I never thought I'd say this because I like this book, but this book is like if Nas wrote a book. And the book was like belly. 
and so Sister Soldier's like sincere, and she's writing a book about Tommy, whose real name is Buns, but his nickname is Tommy, for who the fuck knows reason. It's really over the top, and it really starts to press on you after a while about how she feels about all this shit, but it's cool because it's a classic, and I'm reading it, but at the same time, I'm starting to see it, and it's starting to just hit me like, damn, like, you really are about, you know, get out this life. I'm going to make you see how dark this life could be. <sighs> but, yeah. Um, with that said, she got $3,000 to her name and a diamond bracelet and a diamond necklace and diamond earrings. She always mentions those, so I wanted to mention them too. And so we are about to start Chapter 8. Um... If you have any thoughts, because this is a book club, if you have any thoughts about what's going on, uh, please feel free to give us a call, 916-633-1537. Um, if you want to leave an email, uh, it's wretchedandratchet at gmail.com. Um, and just leave a five-star review wherever you listen to the show at and tell your friends. Yeah, with that said, here's Chapter 8 of The Coldest Winter Ever. I walked until I saw a cute little coffee shop. I bought a newspaper from the stand and ducked inside. Inside, I flipped to the section with apartments for rent. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing that happened. Sorry, it's me again. Sorry, me. Hi. Um, She really thinks that her girls don't know what's going on about her, her family and, and being busted and broken, all that kind of shit. Like, Santiago wasn't employing everybody in their projects and everybody didn't get locked up all at the same damn time. She's like that because she doesn't read the newspaper like like Midnight read her to death and it was all on point. She doesn't read the newspaper. So she thinks her friends don't read the newspaper because she doesn't read the newspaper. But her friends should already know what's going on because it's all in the streets. Also, Slick Kid and Bullet are working for the other team and uh, took the video that they had of um, Winter and Natalie and Bullet in the jacuzzi and took it to Big Mo's, which is Santiago's fam spot, and put it on the, on the TV and showed everybody. So so Midnight had to come out the back and whoop people's ass because of Winter sneaking out and being butt naked in a video. Also, that's probably that that's definitely uh child porn to be showing out to everybody. But I I think she was in a bikini at the point in time. I hope I hope she I I don't know I fucking doubt it. But this nigga took the video and showed everybody. Man, last chapter was crazy. Um, chapter 8, yeah, yeah. I walked until I saw a cute little coffee shop. I bought a newspaper from the stand and ducked inside. Inside, I flipped to the section with apartments for rent. I took a jar of nail polish out of my pocketbook and splashed a red dot on all the listings I was going to check out. I had already decided I wasn't going back to Brooklyn with everybody feeling sorry for me. I wasn't going to give Natalie the pleasure of feeling like me and her were on the same level. I'd find a decent place to stay while I put my survival plan together. I put the money for the tea and fries on the table, plus a dollar tip. After walking halfway through the coffee shop door, I turned around and I grabbed my tip off the table, realizing I had to save my dough. I hit the pavement heading for an available advertised apartment in Harlem. The building was a brownstone on a block of brownstones. 
This particular one was real nice and neat with a decorative iron gate on it and flower pots on the left and right sides of the entrance. The landlady came to the door and peeked out of the curtain. She was only about five foot two, real dark skin with a colorful scarf on her head, a dress, and house slippers. After opening the outside door, she stood behind the closed gate, looking at me from head to toe. She spoke with a thick West Indian accent. Good afternoon, child. What can I do for you? I'm interested in the apartment you have for rent. I was confident. I looked good, expensively dressed with a fresh hairdo that she just paid for. Are you alone? She asked as if she couldn't tell I was standing on the step by myself. Yes, I am, I replied, not trying to be snotty. She went into her front pocket on the multicolored dress, pulled out a small key, and unlocked the gate. What's your name? She asked. Winter Shulman, I said proudly. Are you married? She asked. No, I'm not. Do you have any children? No. Oh, she said, because we have working people in this building, and little babies are wonderful, but they can be a loud disturbance in the middle of the night. No, I don't have any children, I reassured the suspicious old lady. What floor is the apartment on? I asked, trying to hurry her along. Oh, it's on the second floor. We'll go up in a minute. So how'd you hear about the apartment? I read about it in the paper, I said, wondering why she put an ad in the paper if it was supposed to be a secret. Oh, she said. How old are you? She asked, still digging. I'm 22. Oh, are you a student? Yes, I am. I lied. I figured that must be what she wanted to hear. Oh, that's nice. What are you studying? I paused. I couldn't think of anything. I looked down at my shoes and quickly said, fashion. Oh, that's nice. Well, you look good, child. I hear the models make a good living, but that means you'll keep a regular hours? Not understanding her, I said, what? I, I mean, excuse me? Well, like I said, people in this building, we're all working people, so most of us are out during the day. So my husband and I turn the heat down during the day because nobody's here. Around 6 or 7 p.m., we turn it back on. It's a way to conserve and save money. Yes, but in a few months, spring will be here, I told her. Oh, you are planning to be here in the fall, aren't you? She asked in a threatening tone. I don't rent by the week. This is not a hotel. If you want to live here, you have to sign the lease agreement for a minimum of one year, she said. Stay right here. I'll be right back. She slid behind the closed door of her apartment and came back with a clipboard. Who is she fooling? I thought to myself. What difference does it make if I sign a lease? When I'm ready to bounce, I bounce. What's she going to do? Call the rent police? There were 20 million people in New York. Come on, she said, signaling me to follow her up the stairs. She pulled out a large circular key ring with a whole bunch of keys on it. One bedroom apartment with a little kitchen, fully carpeted. The place was like a Barbie doll was supposed to live in it. That's how cute and compact it was. For me, it was perfect. I pictured maybe a leather love seat, a cable-ready big screen TV, and a fancy designer phone.
I pictured myself walking around the apartment barefoot with my pretty pedicure toes sinking into the thick carpet. The living room was more than a little smaller than my bedroom on Long Island, but it was cool. I could definitely deal with it. I'll take it, I said, smiling, looking at the lady and grabbing my envelope with the cash. I started counting out the dough. First things first, child, she said, looking at my cash suspiciously. This is the first time I had ever seen anybody turn their nose up at cash. You'll have to fill out this application. Why? I asked nicely. I've already told you everything. I know, she said. It's, it's just the way we do things around here. I need this for my records. She handed me a form asking for my name, address, place of employment, education, you know I'm the president of Block Association, she mentioned. It's small. We're just getting started. Most of the responsible people on the block participate. But you know, there's always those few. We're trying to clean the block up, get rid of the drugs, make it better for everybody. We're real careful because a lot of drug dealers have cash. They've got the money to spend. They send a pretty little thing like you in here, but you don't know anything about that filthy way of living. She smiled and added, I can tell. Such a lovely face. Do you have a check? No, I don't. I responded hesitantly. Oh, here, you must need a pen. She handed me a ballpoint, stood close over me in the application. I filled it out, making stuff up as I went along. Figuring I'd play along with her inspection, get my new keys, close my door, and never speak to her again except on rent day. I was Winter Schulman. I attended Brooklyn College. I was 23 years old. I previously lived at 123 Green Street, etc., etc. She looked over the application, glancing up at me after each section as if she thought I was stupid enough to tell her myself. I smiled politely. I thought you said you were 22, she quizzed. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I just had a birthday. I haven't gotten used to being 23 yet, I laughed. Don't worry, child. The older you get, the more birthdays you forget. I'm 23 too, she laughed, getting a real kick out of herself. I pulled out my envelope, counted out $650, and handed it to her. She cleared her throat. You must have misunderstood. The total to pick up the keys and to move in is $1,950. One month's rent and another two months' security. Security for what? It's a normal procedure. It's just to cover everything you leave broken in the apartment, damage to the rug, if you fall on hard times and miss a payment. Don't worry, child. It's fully refundable at the end of your lease. If everything's in order, you get your two months' security back in full. If you lose your keys, it's $100 because we have special locks and we have to have the whole lock removed and replaced. There was no need to be nice anymore. There was no way I was giving her all the money I had left. She looked at my screwed up face. Every decent landlord around here is going to ask you for the same thing. Sorry, miss, I said. You must be bugging. Didn't you hear me say I was a student? She shot me a mean look. When I was a student, I had two jobs. You have to work to make it in this country. 
That's how I got to where I am now. I had to work to own this property. No kind of work was too good for me either. A dollar is a dollar is a dollar. I handed her the papers back and left. Sterling wasn't that bad, I thought. I just saw him a new story. Something bigger and better. I stayed at his place for a while while I figured everything out. Sterling's apartment was quiet from the outside. My key slid into the lock. Inside the door sat a suitcase. I pulled the case onto the couch and opened it. My belongings were inside, carefully packed. I rummaged through my jeans, shirts, and dresses, checking to see if everything was there. The side pockets had my jewelry and toiletries in a separate plastic bag. I laughed. Hmm. Too bad he wasn't as neat with his own stuff. Sterling startled me when he came out of the back room. I hadn't realized anyone was home. On the way over, I had practiced for this moment. It was time to put my act in action. How are you feeling, baby? You must have got home early. You look nice, he said, checking out my outfit, the same one that didn't work on midnight. You like? I playfully spun around. Always have, he said softly. So anyway, Sterling, sit down. I'ma let you in on my idea. He walked over, hesitant and suspicious. We've been cool roommates for the past couple weeks and... And tonight you're leaving, right? He interrupted in a voice that attempted to sound authoritative. He started mouthing words, but no sound was coming out. It was like he wanted me to read his lips or something. In a low, low voice, Winter, I have company. Company? I said loudly, surprised. He put his long finger over his lips to shush me. Remember when you called me to come and get you from Long Island? Remember I told you someone else was here? Well, she's in the back room and I don't want no trouble, Winter. You did say you were leaving tonight. It's been two weeks. Sterling's eyes were concerned. Just looking at his weak ass made me sick to my stomach. But I had nowhere else to go. I remained cool-headed, or at least I tried to give that appearance. Oh, there's no trouble, Sterling. Just get rid of her. I laughed. He didn't say a word. So I came up with a new suggestion. Okay, I'll just stay in the living room tonight, but I think... A girl came out the back room. She was overweight with a big chubby face like one of those church ladies you see singing in the choir on the cable channel on Sundays. She had on a long, shapeless floral dress. I guess she was supposed to hide her fat. I was sure Sterling wasn't about to replace me with this cow. Sterling, the woman said in a tone that sounded more like a mother's than a lover. You said five minutes. Uh oh. Winter, this is Judy. We both looked at each other, but neither of us spoke. She came out and sat in a chair facing me. I could tell Sterling was uncomfortable with the silence. He kept playing with his fingers. So you live in Long Island, Julie said dryly. Yeah. They have some really nice houses out there. The traffic must be really bad on a Friday night. Yeah, I rolled my eyes at Sterling. I packed your things up for you, announced Judy. You have some real nice taste. Yeah, I said, realizing the only way I could stay was to humiliate myself completely. 
So where do you plan on going to college next year? Sterling told me you were 17. You must start to think about it seriously. Not really, I said matter-of-factly, thinking to myself, I hate these stuck-up college-type bitches. They think they too cute to get down and have a Brooklyn-style fight to keep they man. They want to do a lot of smart talking like they somehow better than somebody, or at least they be thinking that they can prove that they are. I had no choice except to go to college. My parents made that clear, she added as though I had asked her a question. She seemed fully prepared to have a conversation with herself. What do your parents do? I mean, for a living. They must be well off not to be stressed about whether or not you should go to college. Sterling interrupted. Winter, uh, I'll, I'll help you carry your things downstairs. But I don't have a ride, I begged. Sterling, aren't you going to drive me home? Judy cut in. No, sorry. Our movie starts at 8.05. Sterling already called your dad before you even got here. Your dad's going to pick you up downstairs at 7.30 p.m. What kind of game was this $2 nigga trying to run on me? And what in the hell made this fat-ass girl think she was running things? So is your mother or your father Sterling's mother's sister or brother? What is this, a goddamn interview? I said, losing my cool. She scooted over to Sterling's side. Sterling, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to aggravate your cousin. It was just small talk. Then she turned to me. I'm sorry. I just thought it was nice that your parents trusted Sterling to babysit. Your family must be really close. I'm telling you, I miss him so much for the past couple weeks, I thought I would die. I will say, I was jealous at first, you know, when Sterling told me you were coming over for two whole weeks. Jealous of you getting all his time and attention. But I could see that he's right. You are just a kid. He was just helping out and everything worked out perfectly. Come on, I'll walk downstairs with you guys. She walked over to the closet, grabbed my jacket and said, This is yours, right? I left it out when I was packing your belongings. I thought it might get cooler at night. Here, don't forget it. We went downstairs, dead silent in the elevator. In the lobby, Sterling handed me an envelope. Call me and let me know you got home safe. I grabbed what I knew was some small sum of money, sucked my teeth, and walked away with his suitcase and everything I owned inside. I don't know why I didn't go off. I don't know. I just didn't have anything left inside to go off with. The whole thing was so unexpected. If I would have beat the girl up, what would have happened? If anybody was predictable, it was Sterling. But not this time. Sterling couldn't control me, so he picked this motherly girl to fill my shoes. She's probably been around him for years, hoping and praying for an engagement ring. But if you ask me, it wouldn't last. It was obvious her pussy is no good. Otherwise, he wouldn't have lied to her to be with me in the first place. At the train station, I broke down and called Natalie. There was only one place to go, a place I used to love, Brooklyn. When Natalie answered, she was all hyped up and happy to hear from me. Where you been, girl? We all waiting to see you. Where you been hiding at? Why you treating us like we ain't family? What took you so long to call? For about three seconds, I felt bad for not calling her. Maybe it was really all good in Brooklyn. Maybe I had been bugging out, making things worse than they really were. 
I told her I was on my way to my Aunt B's apartment. I'll be there about 10 o'clock that night. Good. Let's hang out. Meet at my apartment at 11. We'll go to the club. Why didn't you call first? That's all Aunt B had to say when she opened the apartment door. I was thrown off because midnight Mama and Santiago made it seem like Aunt B was going to be happy to see me or something. She had an aggravated look on her face. She pointed for me to go straight to my cousin Bianca's bedroom. Yelling down the hallway, she reminded me to use the bed on the left side of the room. Remember to leave Bianca's stuff just like she left it because she don't like nobody fooling with her stuff. As I passed the small kitchen to get to the bedroom, I saw a long set of male legs inside. There's the problem. She has company, a man friend, and I busted up her groove. I could dig it. I put my suitcase down, went in the bathroom, freshened up, and headed to Natalie's. When I banged on Natalie's door, my girl Simone answered with a big-ass smile on her face and a little pregnant belly. My girl Toshi screamed out, Surprise, bitch! All my girls are there. Asia, Zakia, Natalie with Hennessy and Passion, Alizé in hand, and Els laying on the table just like old times. I felt real good. In a few minutes, I was sure I was going to feel even better. I thought as I sparked up my second joint, this is what made life worth living. Good friends, free weed, and lots of laughs. Simone filled me in on the oohs and ahs of pregnancy. It's not as bad as people tried to make it sound, she said. Her and little biz broke up. No real bitch need a nigga to survive no more. Plus, the next nigga's bound to be coming around the corner any day. I told her I heard it wasn't cool to drink liquor when you were pregnant. As fucked up as this world is today, the baby gonna need some thug passion just to be able to roll with the punches. We cracked up. Simone couldn't take no more and laughed so hard she accidentally pissed on herself. I laughed until my stomach ate while Natalie spread enough air freshener in the living room to choke us all. Zakia, Monique, Reese, and Toshi had a game of spades going. I checked Toshi cheating as usual. She had them tricks down pat. She'd have you talking about the juiciest shit while her hands were switching shit around. Meanwhile, she would use those eyes to signal to her partner. She even had coded songs to sing that Reese understood because she was always her partner in spades. For what she had going, they should have been getting paid in Vegas or Atlantic City with the big timers. Fun didn't break up till about 5 o'clock in the morning. Natalie's mom came home. I could see that she had her own high going on, but something about her being in the apartment just changed the mood. One by one, people started breaking out. I nudged Simone, who was passed out on the couch. Come on, girl. Let's walk over to our building together. Good looking out, Simone muttered. Outside, night glided in the early morning. Blue-gray skies framed what was the quietest time in the projects. At 6.15, the sun snuck up and mugged the moon. Partygoers were inside their apartments, passed out in their clothes. There was nobody outside except the crazy-ass crackheads. I was surprised to see my mother in the lobby of my aunt's building, bald-headed and skinnier than when I last saw her. She smiled when she saw me, laughed for no reason at all, and started explaining that she heard I was here in the neighborhood. She was just out checking on me. She knew how Aunt B could be sometimes. I could tell she had her buzz on too. 
I didn't believe for one minute that she was down the lobby checking on me at this time of the damn morning. I rode the elevator with her and Simone. Simone got off on the third floor, me on the fifth. As the elevator door was closing, Mama was huddled in the corner rubbing her arms while she was freezing. As the doors closed on her bizarre face, she was saying something like, You look good, Winter. I was glad that door shut so fast because I definitely could not return the compliment. I woke up that afternoon to Aunt B wanting alone. Since I wasn't crazy and Aunt B's husband was locked up with my father, I knew that if I gave her any money, I'd never get it back. If I gave her money today, she'd start to expect it from me. Eventually, she would start to demand it from me. After a while, she might even try to collect rent for the bed and six feet of space on my side of the room. She was flat broke like all my aunts are now. Their houses didn't get raided and ransacked like ours, though. Their belongings didn't get repossessed and seized only to be auctioned off somewhere for pennies. They still had clothes, jewelry, stereo equipment, all that good shit. Nah, I replied. Come on, girl, she pushed. Just lend me a 20 spot. I'm expecting some money on this Wednesday. I'll give it right back. Seriously, though, I said with a straight face. I don't got it. I need a loan myself. I went over to my coach bag and emptied my stuff onto the bed. See? Nothing. I didn't keep my money in my bag because that's what people expect. I left a pin to my bra, a trick my mother once showed me a long time ago. Aunt B sucked her teeth. I then disappeared from the room. She's stupid, I thought to myself. She should have got some loot from that long leg nigga she had in the kitchen last night. Pussy should never be free. Simone called, asking if I wanted to go shopping. There's a big concert tonight, and we should both get outfits and find us some cuties. I agreed. In the store, my blood was rushing at all the new clothes. New styles seemed to come in every day, and the stuff I bought weeks, even days ago, didn't excite me anymore. I teased Simone about looking for an outfit that would hide her pregnant belly. She denied it, saying men loved pregnant pussy, and if she wanted to, she'd sport a halter top and let her belly hang out. We laughed as we imagined how crazy that would look. Meanwhile, Simone picked out a whole bunch of outfits. Damn, I gotta pee again. This is like Simone's third time peeing in one hour. Not to mention she stopped at McDonald's to use the bathroom on the way here. Meanwhile, I found the perfect outfit with shoes to match. It killed me to pay the grand total of $500, although it was a savings for my usual sprees. Simone finally came out of the bathroom. The cashier handed me my change. How much? Simone asked as if she was financing me. No big deal, I said as if I had a Swiss bank account or something. You want to check Nordstrom's? They usually have all the flavor designer shit. They even got a fat lady department, I kidded her. Nah, I got everything I need, Simone said. Just chill. At Simone's apartment, everything became clear. In her big coach bag, Simone had every outfit she'd picked up and admired at the store. She even had one of those machines that removed the metal alarms from the clothes. She also had accessories, belts, costume jewelry, and she had shit I didn't even see her pick up. In her closet, she had more shit, some with the tags still on them. She had two or three of the same items in different sizes. Straight up, Simone was a professional booster. 
The pregnancy, she said, had increased her take. She made more money now because she could walk out with more layers of clothes on her body and not look suspicious. You look shocked, she said. Nah, I'm not shocked. I'm mad as hell she stood there and let me drop 500 bills when you could have paid all my shit for free. Simone exhaled. Yeah, you always was paid like that, Winter. Don't worry. You can take that shit back and I'll pick it up for you later. I'm wearing this outfit tonight. We'll just return it on Monday. We can do that, but you gotta watch it. They'll ask COID, and if your name pops up on the computer as returning too much shit, next thing you know, they'll be knocking at your door with a badge. You gotta watch these stores. They be updating their tricks every day. I'm on top of it, though. I know all the tricks. How many tickets you got to the show? Four, Simone said. It was supposed to be me, Natalie, Toshi, and Zakia. But Natalie's gone with Will, so you can have her ticket. Who's Will, I asked. This nigga from Fort Greene. He a player. He got a custom-made yellow Land Rover. Rimmed out. You should see it. It's fat. Natalie gonna be acting up. Nobody gonna be able to say shit to her tonight. That nigga bought the whole box section for the show. He began lacing her lovely with all the butters ever since they hooked up. How the fuck was we going to the show, I wondered to myself. Am I supposed to take a train or walk or hop out of a yellow cab while Natalie was styling in a rover? Uh-uh. There had to be a better way. You got a phone book, Simone? What? A yellow pages. Let's rent a limo. All right. Let's do it. I'm telling you, man. Money gets spent on the dumbest shit in this book. Like, I mean, yeah, Simone's kind of in the wrong for not telling, you know, Winter that she's a boosting queen and all. But seriously, like, she's right. Like, you've always had money. Simone's been boosting shit for years, which is how she got this whole little setup that she got. And you ain't never paid attention because you've always had money. So she just assumed you had money and you're more than willing to spend your money to prove that you got money because you're scared to say that you don't have money no more, even though everybody knows you don't have money. It's just wild. You know, like you need to just calm down and save your money, save your cash. I know I know. I love spending money, too. It's a whole thing. I have to literally meter myself to make sure I don't spend my cash before I spend it on what I need to spend it on. Yes, I make sure that all my shit gets paid for. I keep it in a separate account. The play money, though, play money be gone in like four days tops from payday. So I understand. But still, you need to be economically responsible fiscally responsible because you don't got it like me you don't have a paycheck coming every month and i i'm just tickled pink that she didn't know how a, a an apartment application went i mean why would she her dad took care of everything but for her to walk in and think that this woman was doing her wrong by asking her extra questions and all that kind of stuff about being a student and and having a job and and do you have a check and talking about the drug deals and everything that tickled me pink like i'm great for that like, yo, you are not of this world. Stay in your lane and go to your auntie's house. Man. 
So since that one was so short, we're going to go ahead and try and squeeze in another chapter. So here's chapter nine. Brooklyn's finest, Uptown and the Boogie Down, filled the concert hall. As usual, the show outside the theater was the biggest. Females in spring leathers, patent leathers, plastic, lace, cellophane shorts, skirts, the works. Enough gold on necks, arms, and teeth to fill Fort Knox. Players were rocking fresh Nike, Fila, Armani, Versace, Kanai, Mecca, and all the flavors. Hip-hop vibes hogged the airwaves and we filed in looking every person up and down and side to side, checking for authenticity. It was a car show, a hair show, a fashion show, and a host show all rolled up into one. Each male and female in the audience was as important as any star on the stage. At showtime, the crowd went wild as the biggest names in hip-hop blew up the stage. The huge speakers blasted out the hottest jams, and the crowd rocked to one rhythm. The MCs had the niggas chanting, make money, money, while the ladies overpowered them with our take money, money, take money, money. Natalie was up in the box seats with the kid, Will, whose hands were holding all kind of shine, jewels, and all kind of big cash flow. Everything was cool until I started standing up, clapping, with a sky blue 3500 Chanel skirt suit on. This bitch pops out of nowhere with some wares that were strictly my style and overreaching for her. In all the noise, a silence surrounded my head. My body shook with anger at Santiago and Mom. I also thought of Midnight leaving me when that could have easily been us in those box seats profiling. Now what was I supposed to do while Natalie was pretending to be me? I leaned over close to Simone's ear. You see Natalie? Yeah, everybody see Natalie up there. That suit she got on is banging, I painfully admitted. The security at the Chanel store is too tight, or else I'd have that suit on. I told you, that nigga Will is shot out on that. I had only been living in Long Island for one year. Was shit actually moving so fast that Natalie had become large? Since when did Natalie become a high roller, I asked. Girl, you don't know the half. Ever since she made that little movie video with you, she been like a little star around our way. What little movie? Don't front, Winter. That movie with you and Bullet and her and Slick Kid. In one part, she was sucking Slick Kid's dick real nasty-like. Now niggas is sweating her like she Vanessa Del Rio or something. Natalie waved to us when she spotted us looking up at her direction. She was all excited. She signaled us to meet her afterwards. Simone smiled, nodded, yeah, and turned to me. Yeah, she a little big-headed, but she aight. The last performers came on, ripping shit down. I moved with the crowd, but I was still boiling inside. The MC came on to close the show and then shouted, A special thanks to Sister Soldier for putting this show together. All proceeds going to her children's program. Sister Soldier came out of the side of the stage wearing some shit she mixed and matched from the Macy's clearance rack. People clapped for her. How is this bitch supposed to help the community when she don't even know how to rock her shit? I checked her arm. No Rolex, not even a Timex, nothing. No weight on her neck, nothing. Her hairdo was fat, but that don't mean nothing when you don't know how to accessorize. Besides, she could use a few sit-ups for her belly. <laughs> Midnight got some nerve. I sure wasn't asking her for shit. 
What's up, girl? Natalie was smiling ear to ear as we all crammed into the concert hall lobby. Winter, I called you this afternoon to ask if you wanted to chill up top with us, but you was gone already. So come on, girl, she said, clutching Will's arm. Roll with us to the diner. She elbowed me and whispered, It's on Will. You want to ride with us? Nah, we gotta ride, Simone jumped in. What you pushing, Winter? Natalie asked. We're pushing a limo, driver, champagne, the whole nine. All right, cool. Tell the driver to follow us. We'll meet over there and eat before we head up to the after party. Now Natalie was giving directions. There was something sexy about Will. I didn't know exactly what it was. Maybe it was a one-carat diamond stud in his ear. Or maybe it was just me wanting dick, being stressed out, and ready to get fucked, no questions asked. It could be the fact I didn't like him being with Natalie. He made her act different, like she was better than somebody else or something. If all she had to do to get that Chanel suit was suck his dick good, I could have gotten a whole wardrobe. Brooklyn heads jammed in the Junior's restaurant. I was checking niggas I ain't seen in a long while. People had a different way of dealing with me, but nobody tried to front on me like I fell off or something because father or no father, I was wearing this Isaac Mihrahi dress like nobody could. My hair was hooked and my face was looking fresh and sensual. We all stuffed into a booth and ordered all kind of things. Natalie talked loud as usual. It's on me, y'all. Order what you want, Natalie said loudly. Will acted like he was the Lion King surrounded by all us women. He was quiet. He paid and profiled for all niggas who only had the pleasure of having one woman's attention for that night. We was laced, all of us, a crew of girls dipped in the finest shit, ordering shit we knew we weren't going to eat, and just talking, joking, and having a good time. The money in my bra was sticking me in my right titty. I headed to the bathroom to adjust it. Afterwards, I glanced in the mirror and threw on some more lipstick. I licked my finger to lay down a piece of hair that I was about to get unruly. As I was coming out of the bathroom, Will was standing at the payphone. The thing that ran through my mind was, what's up with him using a payphone? I'd already noticed him carrying a Motorola StarTac cellular. I threw my right leg out to push right by him. <laughs> Santiago's daughter, right? He asked, even though he already knew the answer. Everybody did. Yeah? What about it? I asked defensively. Nah, nah. I got a lot of respect for him. I see life is still treating you good. His eyes were concentrating on mine like he was trying to hypnotize me or something. I take care of myself, I responded, letting him know there was no reason to feel sorry for me. Yeah, I can see that. What you need to do is let me take care of you. I flagged my right arm to show him no. I'm not interested. Come on, girl. Just give me your phone number. I know you with it. It's all in your eyes. Listen, man. I don't even get down like that. Natalie's my girl. And you will look even better in that Chanel suit than she does. Just give me the word. I'll tear that shit right off her ass and put it on yours. I thought about it for a few seconds. I'd be a liar if I said it wasn't a good offer. He smiled slightly, flashing his gold teeth, chewing real sexy like on his bubble gum. Come on, give me the number. I'll drop her ass at home, swing around and pick you up. Then we can talk, get to know each other for the rest of the night. My nipples hardened. They started sticking out of my tight dress. He saw him too, 
licked his lips and smiled some more. I opened my coach bag to get a pen. He pulled this pen out quicker. He scribbled on a book of matches I recited 555 when Natalie appeared in the doorway. She looked at him. Why are you using the payphone? She asked, just to have something to say. When he didn't answer, she looked at me with my bag open. Then she looked at him with his pen in his hand and said, You little sneaky bitch. You fucking low-down sneaky bitch. Wait, wait a minute, Natalie. He asked me. He asked you what? What did you ask her? He spun around the wheel. Baby, I didn't ask her shit. She needed a pen. I had to make a call. I didn't want to get in trace my cellular, so I used a payphone. I was giving her the pen, and that's it. Come here. Why are you being so suspicious all the time? He pulled her and gave her a big bear hug to calm her down. As she buried her face in his wide chest, he looked over her shoulder at me for the last four digits. I silently mouthed 4728. Still embracing her, he mouthed, I'll call you. Back around the table, none of the girls at the table knew what had happened, but everybody could feel the things that tensed up. Our food had arrived and Natalie wasn't saying or eating nothing. She was all back on Will's dick, but looking at me like I was a murderer or something. Finally, Natalie blurted out to me, Nice dress. Toshi said, Yeah, that shit is banging. Did Simone pick that up for you? Natalie added in a sarcastic voice. Simone cut her eyes at Natalie, then looked at me for a sign of what was going on. My teeth were locked with anger. Nah, she bought that today, Simone said. I wish I would have picked it up for her, because half that dough she spent on it would be in my pocket right now. Everybody except me and Natalie laughed at Simone's unending one-woman comedy show. Yeah, your little suit is nice too, I responded in a snotty voice. It's just my style. Yeah. I picked it up for $50 at the auction the FBI did at your house in Long Island, along with some other fancy shit. I lunged across the table for Natalie's neck. Zakia jumped in between, trying to separate us with her arms as Simone held me back. Toshi held Natalie and Zakia told Will to step back. You sneaky bitch! Natalie yelled. You always thought it was about you. Nobody can have shit but you. Here I am being a friend and you stabbed me in my fucking back. Here the whole block talking about your crazy ass crackhead, bald-headed mother and your broke homeless ass. And I'm taking up for you and you trying to cut my throat. Don't think you ain't gonna take no ass woman for that. Later for Will, this is about me and you. You ain't nothing but a low-class hoe, Natalie. You've been biting my style forever because you ain't got no style. And for the last time, your man came to me. If your shit was all that, he wouldn't be sniffing up and around my ass. So get it together. I'm going to fuck you up, Winter. Don't let me catch your ass in the hallway or anywhere. I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all coming? I asked, getting up from the table to leave. All of them were looking back and forth to see what each one was going to do. Simone hopped in a limo with me. The other stayed with Natalie. If I wasn't pregnant, Simone said, I'd have your back. But I gotta look out for this one right here, pointing to the belly. Me and Simone stayed up drinking the rest of the night. I stumbled into Aunt B's at 5 a.m. and fell asleep in my clothes. 
By 5 p.m. Sunday evening, I woke up with a headache, peeled off my clothes, and stepped into the hot shower. My mind flashed back on the past 24 hours, and my tears mixed with the shower water. The idea of my personal business being yelled out at Junior's restaurant had me shaking still. Will called at 6. So what's up? You ready? I'm coming to get you. Stop playing. You didn't even check for me last night when your girl was going off on me. Don't pay that no mind. If I stepped in, she would have gotten even more dramatic. The way I handled it was to let her blow off some steam till she tired out. Mmm, really? I said nonchalant-like. Come down at 7. I'll pick you up. I'll be driving my green Q45, not the Rover. Alright, meet me in the back of the B building. I knew I was living dangerously, but I wasn't worried. What Natalie didn't understand is that I needed Will for business purposes. She was way too dumb to relate to the ideas and business plans I had put together. She crossed a line when she tried to play me out in public. I was about to build an empire so I didn't have to be concerned with low lives like Natalie and her off-the-wall comments. Outside, the car was dark green and crisp. Mint green custom upholstery leather seats with dark green piping. The rugs were mint green too. I slid my shoes off as I entered the car, afraid to even get a lint ball on his interior. Pretty feet, Winter. So, uh, how about the bottoms? What? The bottoms of your feet. Are they soft like silk or hard and crusty like sandpaper? Don't compare me to the second-rate women you used to. Second-rate, huh? He repeated quietly without sounding the least bit insulted. Yeah, the ones with ashy ankles and elbows. The ones with the hard feet and the chipped nail polish. That's what you used to. I laughed. And the ripped panties and the dingy bras with the wires sticking out and the stinking hairy underarms and the... I, I got you, Winter. I got the point. Good. Don't insult me and I won't insult you. Where are we going? I want to check out the new Bruce Willis flick. Oh, I responded, uninterested. Why? What you want to do? I want to talk. Damn. Why do women always want to talk? I just met you. What do we have to talk about? Something that's important to me. Business. He laughed. <laughs> business. Alright, what kind of business? You know what kind of business. Oh, he said and then paused. You don't want to talk about that. That's a man's game. Business is a rough sport, like football or worse, and you don't want to get into that. I've been around it my whole life. I know what I'm dealing with. Right now I'm in a tight spot. I need to make some dough, some fast money, and I know you can relate to that. You know how I know you ain't ready for this conversation? Because you don't even know me and you talk about some shit you can't trust nobody in. I already thought about that, but the deal is I got to start somewhere. Panicking about who to trust and who not to trust ain't getting me nowhere. I'm ready to take a gamble. The way I see it, whoever gambles with me, gambles too. We both have something to lose. Yeah, but I ain't the person. This ain't the angle I came in on. I asked for your number because I think you're a classy chick. I wanted to spend some time with you. You know, shoot the shit, catch a movie. Now you're trying to muscle in on something else. I can't do business with you, Winter. I play hardball, the major leagues. 
All right. Look at it from another angle. Think of me as an investor. I give you my money to invest in your trade. You give me the return on my money. What if you give me your money and I don't give you back nothing? See, this business is like a chess game. You got to think of every possible move any and every player in the game can make. To every move, you got to have a smart reaction. You don't have no crew holding you down, then where's the threat? What's going to prevent any nigger from jerking you, robbing you, killing you? Santiago's gone. His whole crew is gone. It was good while it lasted. That's why I'm going to pile up my dough and get out before it's too late. My face dropped. And Will saw my sadness. Alright, how much you working with? I got $2,500, I said proudly. Will laughed and laughed and laughed. What's so fucking funny? I don't even deal in those small sums of money. The way you were talking, I was thinking you was about to negotiate a major deal. You talking about you working the corner, hand-to-hand, -hand, competing with the other sellers who've been out there and got a flow going with their customers. You talking about sparking a beef over turf just based on them niggas being down with the new and you being a reminder of the old. Well then, you put me on. I'll be down with your crew. Train me and all that good shit. Put me on. Will looked like he was thinking about it as he pulled into the drive-in. You know, there's a lot of ways to make money, Winter. Not only one way. Yeah, like what? Will smiled. I shot him a fuck you, I ain't no two dollar hoe look. I ain't tricking. I ain't working no dirty alleys and shit like that. I would never put Santiago's daughter on the hoe stroll. You too good for that kind of work. So what you offering? Just stick with me, Winter. You want some popcorn? No. I said frustrated. Will came back with everything size large. Large drink, large popcorn, large nachos. As I sat there watching him crunching all his popcorn, I wondered, what is Will really into? Who is he? Did he have any value or purpose to me or was I just wasting my time? He obviously didn't want to do business with me. He must have only wanted the pussy. I tried to take a good look at him again, but it was too dark. I could only get a glimpse when a blue or yellow or red light flickered off the screen into the car. He looked alright as far as I could remember, but he didn't give me that uncontrollable feeling that I felt when I was in the car with Midnight. He had all the right stuff and I'd give him some pussy to get it from him, but only if I could be sure I was going to get exactly what I wanted. I've seen plenty of niggas who will flash their jewels, cars, and gear, run through pussy, and then leave the girl with rug burns on her back and nothing else. I needed cash, training, a solid team, and a real man to look out for me in every way. So I started to fuck with his head. Let me ask you something, Will. What? You're supposed to be a great businessman, right? No doubt, he said confidently. You watch how your money moves, look out for people trying to pinch a stash, don't want to make moves with no small times with small money, that sort of thing? Yeah. What you trying to get at? He asked, slightly aggravated. So why does a man who works so hard for the dough drop three G's on a bitch like Natalie for a Chanel suit? Damn, that really got you heated, huh? He joked. 
No, seriously. It's no secret that Natalie fucks around with anybody. You're supposed to be a man who watches the company he keeps and look who you end up in box seats with. Will was aggravated. Look, you want to get raw with me, I'm going to get raw with you. I'm going to talk to you like you're one of my boys now. Natalie sucks my dick like no other hoe ever sucked my dick. Yeah, but you could have got your dick sucked on 42nd Street. Nah, not like that. There's an art to sucking a dick. Natalie got that shit locked down. She gets the whole dick in her mouth. She still find room for my nuts. When I bust in her mouth, she swallows like it's pancake syrup. Hell, she earned that $3,000 suit. He laughed. One of my boys from Fort Greene was just saying Natalie's fucking around with this other kid he know from around your way. I told my boy if she's sucking his dick like she be sucking mine, I know why he risking his life fucking one of my hoes. But as long as she's sucking my dick like she does, she can get whatever she wants. So what'd you want my number for? Just because a chick can suck your dick good don't mean she could be your girl. I figured that shit out. Oh, so you saying that? I'm saying that you Santiago's daughter. You're beautiful, young, top of the line. A nigga don't have to teach you how to act. You naturally classy. Now that's different. Oh, so you trying to make yourself look good by making Winter Santiago your girl. But then you gonna let Natalie suck your dick on the side while you blessing her with clothes and cash. First off, I ain't say nothing about giving her cash. I give her things she wants. And if you ask me to cut her off, you must be saying you gonna do better than she do. So I wouldn't have no reason to fuck with her again. Will rubbed his balls with his left hand until his thick erect dick was sticking out of his pants. Oh, now you actually got the nerve to ask me to suck your dick. Will started laughing. Listen, girl, you just don't know. Some niggas smoke weed, some niggas hooked on cane, some on the pussy. My pleasure is having my joint done right. If I ain't got a girl the minute I want her, I'll make one of them crackhead niggas suck my joint. Man, them niggas so turned out on that crack, they'll get on their knees and suck my dick just like a bitch for the head of the pipe. He laughed. Men got stronger jaws. That shit feel even better. The movie screen turned black. Will's lips were moving. He was talking, but I couldn't hear any more sound. That was it. If there was a feeling in my body for Will, it was dead. I told myself if I could calm myself down. Maybe I could still have Will as a possible business partner somewhere down the road. The bottom line was, I was sitting next to a man who thought it was okay to let another man suck his dick. Somehow, Will figured that only the crackhead was a homosexual. Will saw himself as all man, the powerful dealer. Just to keep it real with y'all, I can't take no man seriously when I gotta guess about him sexually. I can't be seduced or excited by questionable masculinity. I need to know that my man is rugged and tough to the bone. I would never have to worry about Midnight saying or doing this. If a crackhead even suggested oral sex as a trade-off for cash, Midnight would have put a bullet in his head. What Santiago would have done in that situation is unmentionable. I bobbed and weaved like a boxer for the rest of our date. I knew I had to play my cards carefully as not to burn a potential bridge. At the same time, I refused to end the night with my face buried in Will's lap. Tomorrow, I would consult with my father about my financial options. 
My anger towards him was slowly wearing down. I felt backed into a corner. The truth of the matter was I needed some good advice from Daddy, a man who had always loved me. The pain of it all was trying to talk through a thick glass or having to speak through a small vent or having to talk on some dirty old phone surveilled by the police. There would be no kind of privacy. I would have to pick over each and every word. I hated the idea of not being able to touch my father, having to watch him move and calculate his steps because his hand and feet were chained together. And what would I say to him about my mother? What did daddy already hear? Who would he blame? Wasn't my mother's condition his fault? Wasn't it the incident with Dulce to push mom over the edge in the first place? How much did Dulce cost daddy? Did she have money hidden that belonged to Santiago? Tomorrow I would get all the answers from him, to all of my questions. I crawled into bed and noticed my cousin Bianca was back and fast asleep in our small room. I saw you get out of his car. When I catch you, bitch, your ass is grass. That was my 5 a.m. wake-up call from Natalie. She couldn't rattle me, though. She's so petite, I didn't even think of her as a fighter. I thought to myself, shit definitely changed a whole lot, because that was a time when she wouldn't even dream of threatening me, much less following through and putting her hands on me. She was a gossip operator in our neighborhood. Therefore, she knew my situation. She knew my family wasn't tight like it used to be. The only worry I had now was when and how Natalie would attack. Would she jump out of a dark corner with a razor on the steps where the light is always broken? Or would she pay one of the local crackheads to do some ill shit to me? I'd have to stay alert. At 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 o'clock the phone rang. Each time the person calling hung up. I knew it was Natalie. By 8 a.m. my aunt was screaming about the crank phone calls. She paced the hallways talking about there are three grown women living in this apartment and whenever this kind of shit happens, it means somebody sleeping with somebody else's man. I didn't answer. Bianca looked at me and rolled her eyes as if to agree that her mother was bugging and to go back to sleep. Out of frustration, I got up and headed for the shower. The steam surrounded my naked body and heated water drops slid down my breast. It's time to leave here, I said to myself. So I asked myself, and go where? I came up with no response, but I knew I needed to leave fast. Where is midnight now, I wondered. I imagined them in a villa in Spain sipping on a tequila sunrise. Tequila. Was that a Spanish or a Mexican drink? Oh, what was the difference? Or maybe midnight was disguised somewhere in a shack in Alabama. Nah, he was too smooth for that. He was sitting in a back room in an elegant club in Chicago, one that he owned. He dressed up every night, blending in with the darkness, but still wearing sunglasses. He raked in mad dough, but read the real operation out the back room of the club. He was saving enough dough to come and rescue me from this bullshit. He'd take me to the nightclub, bring me on stage where the spotlight would fall on me. I'd be wearing a silver designer dress that was so top-notch it wouldn't even have a name. A dress especially prepared for me. No other dress like it in the world. I'd have on silver shoes imported from Italy and handcrafted stockings with designer garter belts. Midnight would say, ladies and gentlemen, I present you to my wife, the new hostess of my club, Winter Storm. The crowd would cheer and I would graciously accept my new role as a top hostess slash madam in town. In the shower, I made myself laugh and laugh and laugh. Don't you hear me knocking? My aunt's voice sliced through the sound of the shower and water. 
Yeah, I'll be. Somebody's here to see you. I grabbed back the shower curtain saying, Oh, Aunt B, I forgot to tell you. I mean, I forgot to ask you. If Natalie comes by her calls, just tell her I left already. Why? She asked suspiciously. I thought that was your girl. No, she is. I, I just don't feel like being bothered with her today because I got a lot on my mind. Oh, Aunt B said. You must be thinking about that stretch limo you was riding around in on Saturday night. Or maybe you're thinking about Natalie's man. What's his name again? Bianca, my aunt yelled to her daughter. What's Natalie's boyfriend's name? Bianca didn't answer. I stood there speechless and naked and getting cold as the air blew in and the steam moved out of the open door. My aunt stepped out of the doorway. I ain't that damn old. I know what goes on around here, especially in my own house. Aunt B, I said, who's at the door? She stuck her head back in and said, you'll see. Get dressed. Pat myself dry, I dashed to the bedroom. Bianca was up and out of her bed. I thought, damn, where'd she go to that quick? I went in my suitcase, pulled out my jeans and a shirt. As I reached for the bra I had laying on top of my suitcase under the folded dress I took off last night, I immediately saw that my safety pin wasn't there. I ran my hand along the line in my bra. The pins were gone. My $2,500 was gone. A sense of emergency overcame my body. Don't panic, I mumbled to myself. I unfolded my dress, shook it out to see if my money had somehow gotten tangled up in there. Nothing. I picked up my pantyhose, shook them. I threw open the top of my suitcase and started running my hand along the side pocket, searching for the cash. I looked in places I knew I would never and would have never put the money. Sweat broke out on my forehead, mixing with water beads from the shower. Aunt B stuck her head into the bedroom door, shook her head with disapproval, and said, What a mess. Please don't keep company waiting. She cleared her throat. <clears throat> Are you looking for something? Opened my mouth to speak and then immediately closed it. Nah. She walked away. I got it. I caught it. She had been in my things. My aunt had stolen my money. She thought it was even Steven because she didn't have no money and she figured I got more money where this came from because I must be holding out on her. This bitch took my life savings. I screamed out loud. No words, just sound. I stood butt naked in anguish. My aunt came back to the bedroom door with her hands on her hips, followed by an older white woman. She was peering into the bedroom at me like she was trying to see as much as she could as quickly as she could. My aunt turned to her and said, Good luck with her. She's a mess. She don't want to listen to nobody. She always wants it her way, and she a nonstop liar. Winter, this Miss Griswoldy. She's from BCW. Nice to meet you, Winter. We've been looking all over for you. I'm just glad I got the call about your new address this morning. Come, get dressed. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere with you. Miss Griswoldy leaned towards me. I'm sorry this is the way that you feel, Winter. In fact, I'm sorry for everything that's happened to you up until this point. For now and for the next 330 days, you are officially a ward of the state. We are your legal guardians. Please come along with us. The marshal will escort us. I glanced down the hall and saw a man in a uniform. Wait a minute. Hold on. Aunt B, can I talk to you for a moment? Aunt B looked at Miss Griswoldy as though all of a sudden she needed permission from her to have a conversation in her own apartment.
Miss Griswoldy looked at her watch and said, You have five minutes. We're on a tight schedule. And you're not the only pickup we have to do this afternoon. Please pack up all your belongings you plan to bring along with you. I grabbed Aunt B's hand, said excuse me for a moment, and closed the door. Come on, Aunt B. We family. Did you actually turn me in? Did you call the fucking authorities on me? Is shit that bad? Damn, I would have gave you some goddamn money. Tears of anger filled my eyes. Don't be stupid, Winter. You think I'm going to call some authorities in my crib? That nosy lady been snooping all around my place. You think I want more police and heat in my place? You're just a dumbass, Winter. You don't run shit around here. You better check yourself. That stupid bitch Natalie probably called the authorities on you. Now this white lady knows all our business. She know I got too many people living in this apartment to be on Section 8. She know Alvin's locked up. She know your mother's on drugs. She looking at my orange checker for tracks. She staring at my face like I'm supposed to confess some shit. I just want her to get the fuck up out of here before she start writing my ass up. So pack your shit and go. To be so damn smart, you sure are stupid. I don't need no trouble. What about my money, though? That's all the money I had to my name. My aunt looked me dead in my eye and said, What money? She stuck her two hands in her pants pockets, pulling the pockets inside out. There was nothing in those pockets but lint. I don't have any money. And as far as I know, you didn't have any money either. Aunt B gave me the evil, sarcastic, I told you so grin. My mind snapped. All I know is I had two hands around her neck choking her. She was gagging for air. I wasn't going for her no money in my pockets act. I ripped off her shirt. She fought back, but she couldn't fight me. Well, she would, but she wouldn't win. I snatched her bra off. The money wasn't hidden there. Miss Griswoldy and the marshal entered the room. The marshal restrained me. Miss Griswoldy picked Aunt B up off the floor and tried to help her reassemble herself. My aunt stepped back from Miss Griswoldy's assistance. With only her pants left on her body and a busted lip, she snatched a big piece of her shirt off the floor to cover her titties. You see, she said to Miss Griswoldy, breathing in and out real hard, Winter's violent and spoiled. You need to lock her ass up because she can't be trusted. All I can say is I opened my place to her and she turned on me and she'll turn on you too. I understood how she was trying to set me up. I just mumbled, you junkie bitch, and packed my shit to go. I mean, her aunt ain't wrong. I'm quite certain <laughs> that Natalie called the folks on her. I am 150% certain because they all were petty. They were petty together. And now that they apart, she's surprised she's still going to be petty. Like, why? First of all, you fucked up. You fucked up by fucking with Will when you didn't even know what the nigga looked like. No, let me take that back. You fucked up by risking it all to fuck with Will because you weren't even, you weren't even, you weren't even looking in the nigga's face. You were looking in the nigga's pocket. You looking in the nigga's pocket, not even thinking about how his face looked. You just noticed that uh, Natalie got a, a $3,000 suit on that you should have. So you want to risk a friendship. You willing to risk it all. Your best friend for Will. And then you finesse into a date. Like you, you, you try to be, you know, cool and everything. When he's talking about, let me get your number. You, you good about it for like two minutes. And all of a sudden he's like, I could do you. I'll take that dress off her and give it to you. And that's all you need to hear for you to start busting down digits. 
And then on top of all that, when she sees you and starts talking bad about you and your family and her mom's on drugs, you know, we figured that from the way she was standing in the uh, lobby at like five o'clock in the morning. Y'all ain't heard that Bahama Mama Dia song? Is that how you say her name? Whatever, it's from the 90s. Um, but you jump over the table like Ray Charles to attack your homegirl because she's telling the truth and reading you in front of everybody. Now, all of a sudden, you got to go back home. You ain't got nobody to support you. And you're spending your money. This whole thing is based on jealousy. You're spending money you ain't got to get a limo that you don't need to go to a concert that you don't want to go to to see Sister Soldier that you don't like because Natalie got a man. This is on some, we just finished reading Old Thought Next Door. This is on some shit that Vernita would have done. Straight up, like this whole thing. So I'm glad it turned on her so quickly. Now her aunt jacking her for the money? Yeah, that's fucked up. If you can prove it. But if you can't prove it, then you ain't got no money because she ain't got no money. And you told her you ain't got no money and then you went out and rented a fucking limo and got caught doing it. Like how stupid are you? What is this? She's a kid. She's a kid. She's thinking like a kid. And she talks to Will like after this whole thing happens and it could have been calm with Natalie. It could have been cool. They could have talked it out or whatever. She could have told her, hey, um, on the real boo, he told me that he was going to take the dress you had on. He was going to rip it off your back and give it to me. And I didn't know what that felt like, but I want to feel important for us. She could have said all kinds of shit and maybe they could have fixed it. But instead, you go right back out with this nigga Will. You don't tell Natalie that you're trying to start up a business. You keeping your stupid little business idea to yourself. So all Natalie knows now after you fought with her in the restaurant in front of everybody, after you fought with her and juniors in front of everybody over her man, to her knowledge, now you hopping in a car with her man. And you want to talk business with her man, and he's like, I don't want you to, 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 to be a business partner. You ain't ready for that at all, which the same fucking thing Midnight said. You ain't ready for that at all, but I want you as my girl. But I'm going to keep Natalie on the side because Natalie suck a mean-ass dick. If you want to take Natalie's spot, you got to be able to suck a mean-ass dick, too. And then he mentions that he's a drug dealer, so he has crackheads sucking his dick. He has dudes sucking his dick when he can't find nobody else to suck his dick. And she's like, I'm cool on you completely now. Like, that just ruined everything. But we can still be business partners. So he drops her back off to the house, and that's when Natalie starts calling her like 5 o'clock in the morning because literally she was peeping. It's the project. She's watching when niggas come and go, and that's her man. Like, you embarrassed her. You fought her. You got with her man. For all she knows, you fucked her man that same night. So she watching out the window calling every hour. I remember niggas used to do that shit back in the day when it cell phones, before cell phones, they call and just hang up. I didn't have it happen to me too often. That shit would be aggravating though. I could see that shit happening. What happened to my cousins though? My lady cousins? Fuck yeah. Happened to them all the time. So she called over and over again, and then somewhere along the line, all of a sudden, uh, Winter goes to get into the shower, and she don't take her money with you. Why the fuck wouldn't you take your money with you? Why the fuck wouldn't you lock the door to the bathroom? But why the fuck wouldn't you, wherever you go, your cash gotta be. If you ain't securing your spot, wherever you go, your cash, where you, hey, put it, put it right where you at. Put it in the corner where the soap goes. Pick it up and put it in the towel when you're drying off. Keep your money with you. But she don't know that because she don't know no part of the game. She don't know not never being broke. So her auntie gaffled her. It is what it is. You beat her up. It is what it is. But you know what? Now you're going to 
Now you a ward of the state. Your mama's a crackhead. Your daddy's locked up. And you and your sister are sprinkled off to the four winds. Oh, and she's still dreaming about Midnight coming and rescuing her. And she still don't know this nigga's last name because she's talking about uh, me. He, she's thinking of him being a, on a, 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 a nightclub in Chicago and inviting her up with the stage and the, and the lights shining on her while he says, meet my new wife and host this winter storm. Because, you know, Midnight Storm. Yeah, y'all, hit us up, 916-633-1537, or you can email us at wretchedandratchet at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club. I'm having fun. This book has finally gotten past the part where uh, it's all her family, and, and now it's just devolved into just what I was looking for. This is the shit I like to drink. This is my food right here. Thank y'all so much for checking out Ratchet Book Club. I really do appreciate it. Y'all be good. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast.